This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus joins with us down in the Fox Valley. As uh, well as all those who watch us online, and let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. Quick reminder of how we do our offerings here at Celebration Church. Uh, there are envelopes on the seat backs in front of you. You can use to put, put whatever gifts you want in and then leave them with the ushers on the way out. Or if Celebration Church is your regular church, you come here, you're considered, this is your home. We can encourage you to go online at celebrationchurch.tv. Sign up for recurrent giving. It just happens automatically every week, whatever you've determined you want to give to bless the kingdom of God. Or you can use your phone and use the Celebration Church app and give that way as well. And we want to thank you for your continued faithfulness and support of this ministry. Uh, speaking of, uh, this church, uh, for those of you who might have been here back in the day, was originally called uh, Bayside Christian Fellowship. Uh, and then under Pastor Arnie Jacobson, we came in, gave the new name, and started what we're doing today. But uh, it started 30 years ago today. So that's quite the run. Praise the Lord. Um, I, I think I alluded to last week that I had been really sick. I was sick, 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 sick. Oh. I thought for sure I had COVID because I was convinced I was about to die. Uh, but I tested three times, came up blank each time. It just was obviously the summer cold from hell. And uh, it was brutal, and brutal. And I had, you know, talked to the doctor. He gave me one prescription that did nothing, gave me another prescription that did close to nothing. I was miserable. I had a hard time sleeping. I thought I was going to cough up a lung any minute. It was just awful. <laughs> had to be the worst cold I ever had in my life although I'm only 28, but it's, you know. <clears throat> so anyway, so a friend stopped by and dro dropped up some gummies, you know, like these CBD gummies. Uh, well, there's two kinds of gummies. One is a CBD, which is the medical benefit of the marijuana. 
which my wife used. It was a big help to her when she was struggling with cancer, major help uh, to her. Uh, and then there's the THC gummy, which also has the full Hoshimama whee, uh, in it. Uh, apparently, these were not CBDs. These, these were THCs, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So I don't, I don't know. All I know is it's 10, 11.30 at night, and I am miserable. So I, I pop one of these things. And they said, you know, just make sure you just take one. So I, I took one. An hour and a half later, I am just miserable. I can't sleep. I can hardly breathe. So I took another one. <clears throat> it's CBD, I thought. Uh, anyway, I fell asleep very quick after that one. <laughs> Four o'clock in the morning, I wake up, and the room's going, Instantly, I knew, oops. And I thought, okay, I, I, I just, I'll go back to bed. Well, maybe I'll go to the bathroom first. So I got, I got as far as next to the tub, and I couldn't walk anymore. And, uh, and I got down on my knees and planted my face on the rug. I said, I'm going to sleep here for a week or two and just, <laughs> and just recover because I, I could barely move. And uh, suddenly I can feel my, my wife pulling on my arm. For all she knew, I was having a heart attack, you know. She says, are you okay? What's wrong? I said, I, I think I'm stoned. <laughs> and she says, how many did you take? Two. You're only supposed to take one. Apparently, you know. So it, it was awful. So now she had just had surgery on her foot that morning. So she's hobbling around. She's got crutches. So she's trying to help me back to the bed. And she's on one side with a crutch. I'm on the other side with a crutch, and we're, we're kind of hobbling in the middle, trying to get, it was quite the sight. Anyway, finally, finally got me back in bed. As soon as my head hit the pillow, I was out. Uh, I don't want to woke up again, but uh, anyway. So the moral of the story, three things. One, make sure you know what you're taking. Number two, only take what they tell you to take. But number three, and the most important one, make sure you keep these things out of the hands of kids. They look, taste, and feel exactly like candy gummies. I mean, a kid could find that and eat that whole bag in five minutes, and God forbid what would happen to him after that. So, you know, again, I recommend the CBD. <laughs> we don't need people floating around the church, all right? So if you're sick and they say this could help you, then you know, just be careful. All right. I can assure you I am stone cold sober now. <clears throat> so looking at today's message, <laughs> how many churches does a pastor have to say that? You know, I, I, was, I was talking to another lady in the church. She said, the same thing happened to me. She says, I was mortified. She said, I'm a 62-year-old grandmother. And I'm freaking out. The thought's coming. You're a 62-year-old grandmother. I said, you should see the thoughts that come in your head when you're a pastor. <laughs> you know, this is like, oh, I'm a pastor. I can't be doing this. Uh, anyway, it felt awful too, by the way. I don't know who does that for fun, but bleh. to the Bible. <laughs> 
<laughs> Amen. <laughs> When's he going to shut up and preach? Okay, here we go. Acts, the 15th chapter, starting in verse 36. Now, the book of Acts, you have the, in the New Testament, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And then you have the book of Acts, A-C-T-S, which are the Acts of the Apostle. It's the early, uh, the history of the early church and what they did and how Christianity spread everywhere. Uh, and it, it starts out a lot around Peter and the apostles. And then eventually it really, the, the uh, things switch very much to Saul, who becomes Paul the apostle. All right. So Paul had three major missionary journeys. You'll read this in the book of Acts. You can find maps. I'll show you where they went. And these were life-altering, powerful journeys that he took and helped spread Christianity all over the world. The first journey, if you read about it, it says the Holy Spirit, uh, all the elders were together. The Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, take Paul and Barnabas and set them aside and send them on this journey. So that's what they did. And again, you can read about it in the book of Acts. And then we get to his second missionary journey, a very powerful, influential journey. But I want you to see how this one starts. Starting in verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now, what I want you to notice, number one, they decided to do this. There's no record that God told them to do it. There's no record that the Holy Spirit inspired them to do it. They just made the decision, which I think is really important for us. Uh, there's been an over-teaching in the United States of America for 40 years that says, you know, the Lord will tell you to do everything. The Lord don't do anything until the Lord tells you to do it. It's bad teaching. It has damaged so many people. It has created an entire generation of Christians who have done little to nothing because they're waiting for the Lord to tell them what to do. Don't do that. As I taught some months back, this is in Colossians, the third chapter, verse 23. He said, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for humans. I did an entire sermon on this, if you can remember it. All the scripture in the New Testament said, whatever, do whatever. Do whatever you can. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it. And I ended by saying, you know what the will of God is? Whatever. All right? Just see what you can do and do it. Don't sit around waiting for divine revelation. If you can do something, do it. Whatever your hand finds to do. Uh, people often get stuck past, I, I don't know what I should do. Well, what can you do? Well, I can do this. Then do that. I don't know where I should work. Well, where can you work? Over here. Work over there. See, we see these dynamic events in the scriptures where God speaks and does something, uh, and then you keep reading, and you read fast, and you think this is normal. There are years that go by between some of these events. God wasn't constantly telling them everything to do. That is a misinterpretation, uh, a misperception when you read these. Understand, these things, it took a long time. We read about these because these are some of the dramatic things, but not everything they did just waited around for God to tell them what to do. In fact, you'll find lots of whatevers if you're paying attention. This is one of them. A lot of people think that the Holy, the Holy Spirit told Paul to go on a second missionary journey. He did not. They decided, and it's totally appropriate And if you get around, and there's some people like this, everything they say and do, well, the Lord told me to do this, the Lord told me to do that, the Lord told me, you get around someone like this, my advice, get away from them. It's, it's, it's not healthy. It's just not healthy. God is not telling you what pair of socks to put on every day. God isn't telling you what 
which way to go to work, when to turn left. I mean, I've been around people who literally talk this way. We've pretty much filtered them out of here because of stuff like I'm saying right now. But there is no place for that. It is absurd. It is an exaggeration. They decided. Why? It's something they could do. Whatever you do, whatever your hand finds to do, do it as unto the Lord and not for human masters. Uh, and then we pick it up uh, at verse 37. Now, they're going to go on this missionary journey. They're going to go back and ch check out these churches. Well, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark. He's called John Mark. This is his name. And they said, well, take John Mark and let's go. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Now, it doesn't say why he left. Maybe his granny was sick. We have no idea. Barnabas had no problem with the scenario. Paul was kind of a hard butt over the deal. And, uh, you know, as fun as it is, is to read Paul, I pretty am sure that most of us would not like him. It's the truth. And he wrote the majority of the Bible. In fact, a lot of the letters he writes to the church is because people didn't like him. <laughs> and they criticized him. And, you know, said this and that. And he'd make his case. Look, I'm just a servant of God. I'm not in this for the money. Da, 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 da. So he was a little tense. The first Corinthians, he was real intense. Second Corinthians, if you start reading it, the first thing he does is start apologizing for being kind of a jerk in the first one. So he was a very intense guy. God bless him. And by the way, God can use intense people. Don't let that freak you out. Some people are by nature intense. Christianity isn't just for people who are very calm. Praise the Lord. Or I have no place here. All right? Some people are just intense. It's okay. Well, he yells. Okay, so what? Nobody's going to die for heaven's sakes. Uh, anyway, this idea that everybody has to be like a on morphine or... CBD gummies, uh, is not true. We get all kinds of personalities in the kingdom of God. We can work with all of it. Anyway, it says in verse 39, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark, sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of God. He went through Syria, Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And now this, the uh, narrative continues to follow Paul. Up until this point in the book of Acts, you're reading about Paul and uh, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. From this moment on, you'll just read Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas, because they have... So they're starting out of the second missionary journey. It starts with a fight. They're mad. They can't get along. Now, this is the man who wrote, be kind to one another, tender-hearted." Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. I don't know what level of guilt <laughs> these boys carried with them for a while, but they had to know that wasn't right. Uh, but people get mad. People are people, all right? And it's not the end of the world. And by the way, God still used these people. These weren't perfect individuals. It's important for us to realize that. You think, well, God can't use me because I'm a jerk sometimes, and I get impatient. God can still use you, all right? God has used all kinds of things. One time, God spoke through a donkey. <laughs> I used to tell the ladies, look, if God could speak through Balaam's ass, he can talk through your husband too. So, you know. Because <laughs> they were called asses in the Old Testament. 
Anyway, what am I talking about? Okay, so God can, so this starts out with a fight. Uh, and then it says here, Paul and his companions travel through the region. This is chapter 16, verse 6 now. Paul and his companions travel through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. What does that mean? He wanted to go to Asia. Holy Spirit wouldn't let him do it. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not let them do it. So he comes from the south. He's going north. He can't go this way. He can't go this way. Where are we supposed to go? Uh, and by the way, this is again, look how these guys are moving about. Everything isn't always super dramatic. Um, there's a scripture in Colossians, the third chapter, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, that word rule I have read in the Greek. I'm not a Greek scholar. Do not pretend to be one. I just read what others have written. They say it's the word rule like an empire. Okay? What do empires do? Umpires do. Uh, refs do. They shouldn't do anything. They shouldn't say anything. Unless you do something wrong. Or about to do something wrong. Or sometimes they'll pull people together and remind them of the rules. Da, 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 da. So the Holy Spirit oftentimes, it's not. He's always telling people what to do. You start doing stuff. And if you're not supposed to do something... Have you ever been going a direction and all of a sudden you feel inside, this is a bad idea. I shouldn't do that. Anybody ever feel like that? See, that's more than normal Holy Spirit. More than signs and visions. And now they're about to experience a vision here. But, uh, so that's normal Christianity. They're going to go this way and uh, this doesn't feel right. Okay, let's go this way. Oh, man, that's... Something's wrong. Let's, let's not do this. So that's, that's kind of normal, okay? I'm trying to point out normal Christianity to here because we usually get more focus on the dramatic. Uh, but here's uh, some of the dramatic pops up. Uh, verse 8, so they passed by Mysia, went down to Troas. They're kind of wandering. <laughs> he doesn't know where he's going. Uh, and it gets down to Troas, and during the night, Paul has a vision. Okay, here's a dramatic event. Here's his vision. There's a man in, over in Macedonia, across the water there, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to, uh, for those of you who follow closely in the New Testament, you'll notice that up until this point, Paul did this, Peter did that, that and they, 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 they. It's the first time we see the word we. Because Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, also wrote this. At this point, Luke has joined them. So now from here on out, it's we did this. So we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel at them because they had a vision of just a guy going, come and help us. Now, uh, all that to share, I don't have visions, generally speaking. Uh, so God has to use other ways to get a hold of me. I do have email. And uh, I say that because I, I've just recently had some of the strangest experiences of my life. Uh, about three weeks ago, I got an email from someone who said, greetings, Pastor Mark. Uh, we love watching you online. We love Celebration Church. Can you come and help us? And they're not asking for anything. Uh, and uh, can you come and help us? Help us, show us how to do church. You know, I said, where are you from? He said, Kenya. Where in Kenya? 
Kisi, Kisi, Kenya. I think it's a little hut, one hut town, you know, whatever. Actually, there's a million people that live there, but we never heard of it, right? Uh, so, okay, so, and, and I just grilled the poor brother, uh, trying to find out everything, what he's trying to do and what he's up to. And two days later, I got another email from someone. Brother Mark, we've been watching you online. Can you help us do church? Show us how to do church. Can you come and, and help us? So where are you from? Kenya. Where in Kenya? A town called Kisi. And I go, wow, what are the odds of that? So um, uh, I said, do you know so-and-so? No, never heard of him. And I asked the first pastor, do you know this pastor? Never heard of him. I said, well, we'll get together and, you know, check each other out here because I'm, you know, I'm a long way away from there. Uh, they got together. The first pastor has a church of 100 people. The second pastor church had a church of 50. They, a few days later, decided to join churches. So now they're instantly 150 members, which is kind of impressive. You know, in America, 80% of all the churches in America have 100 people in them or less. So already they have a church bigger than most churches here. It's fascinating. Uh, and uh, so I'm asking lots of questions and trying to understand who are you? What denomination? We have no denomination. Do you have any affiliations? No. Have you ever been to Bible college? No formal training. No, we, we have nothing. Well, how did, how did you start a church? And, and they both had similar stories. They had gotten saved and felt like as Christians, as they're studying the Bible, they felt the call of God on their heart to gather people together, and they just start pastoring them and just start ministering to them. Uh, and, uh, and one of the things that the first pastor says, we, have, we, have a, we also have a, a small orphanage. Uh, uh, I said, well, does anybody help you with the orphanage? No, no organizations, nothing. No, we, we don't have anything. How are you taking care of these kids? Just with whatever we can. And it's a really poor area. People make like, on a good week, $100. I mean, they don't have a lot of money. Uh, and uh, I said, how are you taking care of what people donate stuff? And, and we pray. And we just trust, trust God to provide. I said, are you able to feed these kids? They got 50 kids. I said, are you able to feed them? Yeah, yeah, we can feed them, you know, at, at least one meal a day. I said, you're only feeding them one meal a day. He said, yes, well, we don't have anything else to give them. And I'm, at this point, I'm starting to feel really guilty, right? Because I probably ate five meals right by that time. And uh, I said, well, how much does it cost to feed them? And it, it's almost nothing. So I told the church, Adam, who I said, send these guys a few hundred dollars and, and, and see what happens. And uh, so they sent them a few hundred dollars. And if it's a scam, they take the money and run. Not the end of the world. Good Lord. I've done more stupid things with thousands of dollars. <laughs> Let us not share that. But uh, um, so, so there, and then, and then three days, because it takes forever for this money to get wired. He finally contacts me. We received the funds. Thank you so much. And he sends this video. And says, I want you to see this. So let's see this, see this video. There we go. These are the kids after we sent them the money. And that's all the food that they got from that amount of money. I hate it when pastors get emotional.
cried for an hour after I saw this. Those little babies shoving. And they'd only been able to do this once a day. So with this time, we can give them three meals, you know. So how much would it cost to feed, feed them every month? It's not that much money. So I, I talked to uh, Pastor Keith, who handles our missions. And I says, can we give them this money? He says, oh, that's way within our budget. It'd be easy to do. So this is great. So then I asked, now remember, they haven't asked me for anything. I'm asking them. Well, what's your orphanage like? Do you have any needs that are popping out? He says, yeah, well, there's this and that. The other stuff. So put together a video for me and, and show us and then tell us how much you need. So that's this video. Hello, hello. Brothers and sisters, this is David and I'm here to take you around the orphanage so you see what's happening. This is house one and we are using it for girls. These are the girls' room. Look how Presently clean it we is. We have uh, 18 girls staying in this room and our prayer is that we can be able to have one girl in each bed. They're putting two girls in each bed right now. Also, and, a clean uh, girls' we room. That, uh, we have been able to do it. And we see more girls here, and we are praying that uh, we can see be able to stand uh, so that they can get more space for them to stay. Presently, we need uh, six more bunk beds mattresses and bedding and uh, we pray that we can be able to get that so that they have more space and more places to stay. Thank you. <laughs> These are some of the children who stay with us and uh, some of them have been with us for a long time. Uh, some are here for care and protection and we for me to give God the glory for what he has done to keep these children safe. This is the main house that we are using for the real ones, one year and below. And uh, we thank God that we have been able to do it. And uh, we have been able to raise children here from day one. Uh, to one year when we move them to other rooms. So we give God the glory. We need prayers for this. This is the girls' toilets. And for now, we are using uh, girls and boys here. These are their toilets. We have a need for Renovation of the boys. He says they're in great need of repair. Uh, that we can be able to get that help to renovate this boys dorm, uh, toilet for them to continue to use. We need uh, about $600 to put it back to use. This is house three. And we are using to have boys. This is the boys' room. Look how messy okay. it is. That we also can do more bed for the boys. <laughs> for them to get a better and good place for them to stay. So presently we are housing 
boys here. Apparently, it's universal. That uh, we have been able to have them in this way. We pray for more bunk beds so that they have more space to use. This is our kitchen house, and we are cooking all our meals here for the kids who are staying with us. We have this is our dining hall, and we also use it as a worship house for the children and all the staff who are working here. And sometimes they use the children use it for homework studies. And we give God the glory for this facility that has been able to help the children. This is how we get, this is how get their water. We pull it from a, a, a shallow well, which is about 50 uh, feet below. And uh, we get it like that. We are praying for a water pump that we can be able to push water up to the tank for the children to get water easily. They fear a little one could fall down there. You all and keep praying for us. Thank you. And that's it. So, um, all told, if they fixed everything, uh, a little over a couple of thousand dollars. It's nothing. Certainly nothing to a church of this size. And he said, why are you sharing all this? Today's mission Sunday, and I want you to see what we can do as a group to help these people. So I want to help these guys uh, and provide some of these needs. He said the bunk beds are, uh, they got two kids in a bed because they don't have enough bunk beds. I said, well, how much is the bed? He said, well, it's the bed, and then there's the mattress and the blankets and pillows and, you know, the nets because they have some mosquito netting. I said, how much? He said, well, it's $100. And I said, so one bed for $100? He said, no, no, both of them. Both bunk beds. <laughs> totally decked out for $100 each. I thought, oh, good grief. You know, we should be able to help with that. I'd hate to see one of those little kids fall down that well. So they need $250 for the water pump. So the truth is, actually, they probably need to do a full well. I, t I talked about that. He says, that would be a great blessing in our community Can we make it available to everyone. And that gives the church a big say in their communities when they can provide these sorts of things. So anyway, this all goes on. And uh, um, uh, then about a week later, I get a third email from another person who says, we've been watching you online. Can you help us do church? We want to learn how, how can you help us? I says, how did you find out about me? On the internet. Who told you? Nobody. Nobody told you. No. Where's your church? Kenya. <laughs> I can show the email. Where in Kenya? Kisi. Oh, come on. <laughs> so I was just in South Carolina, down there with Bishop Gary, who's been most of his life in Africa, and I showed him these emails. I showed him these videos. He says, it looks perfectly legit. I mean, the only way, it wasn't like these people hired kids to stand around <laughs> while they shot these videos. And, and these volunteers, these people taking care of them, they're all volunteers. Now, you think, volunteering can be exhausting. God bless our children's volunteers. They have to watch the little rugrats for two hours. This is 24-7. From the little, little infant all the way up through, the, they teach them, they feed them, they care for them, all with volunteers who are not paid. This is their church of about 100, well, 150 now. 
and uh, uh, just so amazing. So uh, I'm talking to Gary. I'm not making this up. I'm talking to Gary and I show him these videos. He goes, that's amazing. But just, I've been in Africa all my life. That's what these places look like. And a lot of people will start churches like this. They just get saved. No one's telling them to do it. They're just following the, the love of Christ in their hearts. And they're doing these things. As I'm talking to him, ding. Hello, Pastor Mark. Can you help us? We're learning about church and we see the way you do church. We are, can you teach us how to do it? Where are you from? Where in Kenya? Oh, my word. He said, oh, come on, dude, I'm telling you, it's got this. 20 minutes later, ding. <laughs> A fifth one. And now you're getting, oh, come on. There's just no way. And uh, later that night, I'm laying in bed. I can't sleep, so I grab my phone because I thought, you know, I'll start some stupid game and fall asleep. Ding! Pastor, can you help us? Where are you from? Kenya! Where in Kenya? Casey! I think, oh, come on! So someone says, maybe it's some kind of a scam. I said, if it's a, and I apologize to even say that because they're watching us right now. <laughs> but we're Americans. We get scammed all the time. So we always got to think that. We work hard not to get scammed. And we still get scammed. Well, it's a scam. It's a scam. It's a weird scam because they're not asking for anything. There's none. Sell us, send us $1,000 and you can hear it all. This. You know, there's none of this stuff. Nobody's trying to get anything out of us. The only reason I know this is because I asked them about their orphanage and the needs that they had. So anyway, it wasn't a vision, but I kind of got the sense that we should get involved in Kesey. You know what's weird? It's the first time in my life I've ever been asked about church and preaching. Uh, and, and we have a bishop there from the CEEC. He's going to stop by and check on him, make sure everything's legit. Deanna and I have decided we're going to go visit him in November. So I'm kind of excited. Uh, and these guys have said, no one told them. One guy said, yeah, one guy told me about you. Who's that? I don't know, it's some random guy I met in a coffee shop. I said, seriously? Yes. Do you know these guys? Never heard of them. Do you guys know these guys? We never heard of them. Again, it's a million people. This isn't Green Bay. There's a million people in Kesey, wherever the heck this is. So they're spread out all over the place. And somehow, now we are online all over the world. I have never had a church in this country, Canada, Mexico, anywhere who said, we so love Celebration Church. Can you teach us how to be like you? Except this one time. What are the mathematical probabilities that you get six people in one town in the middle of nowhere, Kenya, to respond and send out emails because they saw us online in three weeks? It's, I checked this morning, by the way. I didn't see another one. So, this is very exciting. He said, so we want you to come. Can you come? Yeah, so I talked to him. Yeah, we would love to come. Can you teach us? Can we get all our elders in and teach us the Bible? No one's ever asked me to do that. So we get called to go everywhere to do couples stuff. Never one time in my life have I ever had any church say, would you just come and preach? 
Apparently, no one wants to hear what I have to say. <laughs> Except you poor souls. <laughs> Come and preach. Really. I don't know that they even know I talk about relationships. No one has mentioned it. Because the laugh you things everywhere, right? The, the, all they have run across, how this happens, I don't know. Paul saw a vision. I got emails. <laughs> Come and help us. So I want to say, help us to help them, would you? Do something special this week, uh, today, as we do our missions offering. In other words, give your normal amount of money that you're going to give, and then something extra. And maybe God will put something in your heart. Maybe one of you say, my wife and I will pay for three bunk beds, or we'll pay for the, the pump, or, you know. One of the things that I, I did for them already myself is because you know, we're trying to FaceTime with them. Of course, it's a terrible connection. Is do you have Wi-Fi? No, we have a Wi-Fi. So how do you do it? I said, well, we have to buy blocks of time on our phones. So how much is Wi-Fi? $30. I sent them $30. Next com- communication, ding! There they are in streaming. It was beautiful. And they're so excited about it. It's, it's great. Maybe someone said, well, we'll do some uh, Wi-Fi for a couple of these churches. Or you just want to give something extra. So I, I think this is exciting. See, this is why I don't want to retire. God's keep doing things. And I love being a part of it. Why now? I'm a slow learner. <laughs> I just hit puberty. I don't know what's going on. Why all of a sudden this open door, but I'm very excited about it. I'm looking forward to go meet with these people, be a blessing to them. What would cost us almost nothing is life-changing to these people. Again, they have nobody. There's no organization. There's no denominations. They have nothing. So I send them how we do Celebration Church Service, our, our, our liturgy and stuff. And they were so grateful. And they said, uh, but we're in Africa. Can we do some of this in African? I said, sure. So I went online and found uh, Swahili, the Lord's Prayer in Swahili. And the apostles... Uh, Creed in Swahili. And I said to him, he said, how did you get this? Internet. <laughs> so the first thing I, I, I did when I saw him yesterday, and it pops up on the screen clear, I said, Akuna Matata! <laughs> Which is actually Swahili. It's, it's not just a made-up phrase for the movie. It, it's, I don't even know what it means. I just, how's it going, Jack? You know, I mean, I don't know. He goes, how did you know to say that? <laughs> we kind of all know to say that. It's the only thing we can say is akuna matata. And uh, so anyway. I love this stuff. I just love it. You say, well, what if you're not around long enough? Then that sermon I preached a few weeks ago, they died in faith. So if that's what happens, I hope it doesn't because I don't want to die right now. (laughs) If I die tomorrow, let's keep doing this. And don't get discouraged. And let's just keep advancing the kingdom of God as long as we have breath in our body. And again, we're following the statistical probabilities of this. Now now that we're on the internet saying this, I might get 500 churches from all around the world. And we can't help everybody. It is what it is. But certainly what happened in the last three weeks is nothing short of absolutely amazing. And, uh, and we're going to follow through this and uh, see what happens as we get there later this year. 
and connect with these people and help them to prosper and grow. So, so that's our mission's message for today. Sorry for the emotional stuff. I hate preachers who cry. I just want to throw something at them when they're doing it. You know, just, and then it happens to me. Okay, uh, we're going to have our time of communion. Uh, oh, there's another need. So how often do you do communion? Well, we try to do it once a month. It says, why don't you do it every week? We can't afford it. How much would it cost? Almost nothing. That's the only reason they don't. So I want to create Celebration Church clones in Kesey. Anyways, communion is a time where we turn our attention to what Jesus did on that cross for us. 2,000 years ago, he died, his body was broken, his blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. And this is what we celebrate when we take communion. The Bible says before we do it, though, we should stop and examine ourselves. So let's bow our heads as we pray a prayer of forgiveness over all of us. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. If we sin against you in any way, we pray by the grace of your son, Jesus Christ, forgive us of our sins. Have mercy on us and strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And maybe you're visiting this morning, and again, I apologize for all the emotional stuff here, but uh, maybe you're thinking, you know, I've, I've never experienced anything like this. Uh, you can do that this morning, right now, just in your own words, ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and forgive you of your sins. Uh, and if you're at home watching right now online, you can do the same thing. Just ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. And you can start your first steps of faith with us this morning. Amen.